Welcome to Chieftain Roll Call. If you're a first-time listener, this is a show that has been put together by the Belfound High School Key Club, and we are here to promote Chieftain Athletics. We record the show typically every late Wednesday afternoon, then it comes out for release a few days later. I'm Bill Tipple with Rick Reed, who's a longtime teacher and coach, and Jack Varner, who is a Key Club member, and he's a sophomore student-athlete as well. Landon Gibbs on the controls. He's a senior student-athlete, standout bowler as well for the Chiefs. On this week's show, we'll talk some Belfound cheerleading, some competition cheer, that is, with Coach Coubet, wrestling with Coach Hyatt. We'll also get a chance to talk to Julia Easton and then Belfound senior Ethan Yoder, who has just signed to play football at Ashland University. Our show is presented each week by Easton Water Solutions on South Main and Belfound. We start the show with a little bit of a roundtable on Chieftain Athletics. We can even go around the world with the Super Bowl approaching. Now, by the time you hear this, the game may have ended, but we'll still give our take on it and our stamp on it, I guess. First for you, Rick, in the last week in Chieftain Athletics, you've been busy. You're always around the school doing stuff. I know that you and uh, your daughter went to the Lady Chiefs-Lady Raiders game last night. Benjamin Logan won a close one, 42-38. Yeah, I thought it was a good atmosphere. The first thing I noticed, I mean, really good crowd last night. It, it felt like a you know weekend night type crowd. Uh, good energy. Both sides obviously came up a little bit short, but uh, evenly played game throughout. Pretty impressed with uh, what our girls had to offer. Uh, your daughter was with you. She's first grade? Yeah. Okay, we're going to put this in the eyes of a first grader. What does she say about the game? I'm she sure. was excited down the stretch. Um, we got to work on a little bit of math skills as we were down, you know, four, five, six there late. She uh, she was doing the running math of what it was going to take to get us ahead and unfortunately never got there. Okay. All right. And I know that you you love being a dad. You love sports, too. But what's it like to go to sporting events with your daughter? Well, yeah, I mean, she's got a pretty short attention span. Uh, she she played with Daxby Brown quite a bit and colored, and uh, she watched a little bit. She watched at the end as it got exciting. What do you think about the Lady Chiefs, you know, in the future? I know they have, they have a mix. They have some seniors. But they have some young players, too. Yeah, I mean, really impressed. Just balance, uh, diverse, you know, so – couple big girls and then some uh, good guard play. Really impressed with some of those younger girls. Uh, you know, it's the first time seeing the freshman, uh, the Casey, Casey girl, the point guard. Um, boy, she plays intense. She, uh, she, she gets after. She's a freshman, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, genetics don't lie. Ahead. I'm sorry? Genetics don't lie. No, sure. no. Yeah, she's uh, – yeah, you can tell she's a coach's daughter. Jack, since we've talked, uh, I know you've friends with a lot of the – Chieftain athletes, the boys' basketball team, first last Friday got snowed out. And then Saturday night, they still played at Salina, lost 42-39. Monday, they had a makeup game at London. The Chiefs won 46-42. So it looks, you know, it looks like they're getting better. What, what have you seen? What have you heard from some of your, your classmates? Yeah, the spirits are getting a little higher. You know, they're still not where they want to be. I know they're competitors. And what do you say, Coach? They're four and – Four and six in their last, last ten. And then they lost by – out with two more of those games. Yep. So there's been improvement. They've had a chance to be have a winning record in the last ten games. So they're doing great. They're the biggest thing is they're not getting giving up. Um, you know, a lot of people would have packed it packed it in and been like, all right, let's get to baseball season. But they're still fighting and still playing hard. Well, the other guest that we'll have on a little bit later is Ethan Yoder. I know you played football with him the last couple of years. He's two grades ahead of you, but he, uh, you know, he's going on to the next level. And is, is that something for you where that's, that's something for you to shoot for? Are you thinking about that in your own eyes right now? 
Well, yeah, I would. I'd love to play in college. It's a goal of mine, and Ethan's a inspiration. You know, he uh, he he did a lot of good things for us. He turned the tide in our culture. I think. Um, Ethan Ethan didn't play varsity football until his junior year, right? Correct. So, I mean, that's not only a guy for me to look at. That's guys that, you know, maybe aren't where they want to be right now to look at him and be like, well, you know, let's put all the chips in and see where it gets us. What makes him good? Um, I mean, obviously, fantastic hands, fast. Um, but the biggest thing for me is, and Coach Reed can probably account for this, is when he got the ball, man, he ran hard. I mean, he's not a big guy. But he would lower his shoulder and he put hit, hits on people and it would, I think wore, it wore out defenses. I mean Tri Valley, biggest play of the game. Tavian throws the ball up, tight coverage. It looked like it was gonna get picked. I mean, hundred percent sure Tri Valley's guy was gonna come down with it. I think it was fourth down. Ethan just strips the ball out of his hands and I mean that's just a man play and that's the best part of Ethan's game I think. No doubt. And uh, do you think much about college football by the way? Oh yeah, I think a lot about college football. Yeah. What makes you want to do it? Um, I just, I love football. I just, it's hard for me to imagine that I only have two years of football left. I mean, I've been around it my whole life. And if I can continue to play it, I'd love to continue to play it. Guys, the Super Bowl is approaching. We talked about this a little bit last week because it was still an off week for the Super Bowl. Usually it's a two-week break. Just about every Super Bowl, that's the format. And here we are, Bengals and Rams, Sunday night in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium, which is the home of the L.A. Rams, that two years in a row where the one of the teams got to play on their home field. That's very unusual. I think last week, though, Jack said Rams by 20, which I couldn't get over the, the confidence there. I think it's really a coin toss. Any new thoughts on the game, either from Rick or Jack? Well, you know, I, I'm excited. I, I guess my thoughts are that I'm thankful. I, I don't want to get too, like, sentimental about it, but – it, it's it's awesome, man. It, you know, we're so lucky that we have the Super Bowl. It's it, it's such a big deal. And I think back, you know, sometimes, and I know you could probably relate to this, Tips, you you remember times of your life based on who played in the Super Bowl. Sometimes people say, well, who, who played in the Super Bowl this year? And you'll have to go back and think, well, I was in college. I lived here, and this is who won. And um, it's just such a big deal, and it's a time to get together. I've got some of the guys – coming over uh, Sunday to watch the game. You know, obviously we'll make a big deal about it and eat food. And uh, we got a teacher work day the next day. So the kids will all get to sleep in. We'll get to sleep in a half hour extra at uh, at least BHS teachers. Yeah, it's just – it's great. No, um, You know, I don't – I hope the Bengals win. Um, it's not – you know, I'm not a diehard Bengals fan, so I'm not going to be too distraught if they don't. But I hope it's a great game. I think it probably will be. The more time I had to think about Jack's outlandish prediction, he's not totally wrong. I mean, the Rams could the Rams could get on the Bengals. You can't rule that out. If defensively they put Burrow down and they make him, you know, we, we said last week that the Bengals did get away with some botch-type protections and stuff. And if that doesn't happen, it could get ugly. And the Rams have the kind of offense that can make it ugly in a hurry. I think the ceiling is better for the Rams and the Bengals if they both play their best game. Would you agree? No doubt, yeah. yeah. You look at what they did at Tampa. Now, the score was deceptive. They won by a last-second field goal. But they were up, and then there was a fumble call right before halftime that probably was the right call. It was a very close call when you watch it in live speed. But they were on the verge of going up, I think, like 27-3 to at halftime at Tampa. And then I think the game was going to be over. So when they're at their best, they are – 
They're really good. But something just something with the Bengals, it just feels like I don't know how to explain it, but it just feels like um, you see it in sports occasionally, like it's their time, kind of like like it's meant to be. Yeah, a little bit. Of that's the Joe Burrow factor. I think. I think we all just think, well, you know, what's he going to do next? And you know, maybe this is his time. But Matt Stafford, if you, if he was from Athens, Ohio, we might be saying the same thing about him. Well, he's very, very talented, no question. Jack, we'll go back to you. A week ago, you said Rams by twenty. I don't, I don't think that. I think it's about a touchdown game, one way or the other. I guess I'll give my pick in a minute. But uh, what, what makes you so confident? Well, I'll take it down to Rams by 17. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If we wait another month, we got a heck of a game in the world world of Jack. Well, the Rams, they're just more talented. I mean, really, they just are. They got Aaron Donald. That's a big weakness for the Bengals' offensive line. And you look, the Bengals' best fan is their wide receivers. The Rams got the best cornerback in the league, Jalen Ramsey. So You can only cover one, though, one guy. Well, uh, Jamar Chase is the one guy he'll cover, and that's a huge part of the Bengals' offense. And are they going to be able to run the ball against the Rams' tough front with their below-average offensive line? I don't know. Um, I would love to see the upset, though. I like the Bengals' uniforms. they got really cool uniforms. I like the Rams' uniforms. Great uniform matchup. Now, Jack has said you know, he's a diehard Browns fan. I think one of the things that these Browns fans have going for him is they hardly know any Bengals fans. Um, there's only, like, a few diehard. Paul Newland, um, outside of that, like, there's not many – diehard Bengals fans so it's not like Ohio State Michigan where you know we were all rooting hard against Michigan against uh, when they played Georgia because you don't want to deal with it you don't want to hear uh, yeah it's I I don't think the hatred for the Bengals is there not as much and they've just not been really that good the last few years until right now and they had a great turnaround season this year but um yeah I guess I guess I know that was the big uh, focal point for Jack last week being a big diehard Browns fan but you know, I grew up right outside of Cleveland, and I'm a Browns fan too, but I kind of find the Bengals situation to be refreshing. Part of it's Joe Burrow, an Ohio guy. He's hard not to cheer for too because he's just so genuine when he answers about the game or what happened or what he thinks about whatever. He, he just he, uh, he doesn't try to give you cliches or what have you. He just is who, is who he is. But uh, I don't know. I think, uh, I think the Rams probably win, Rick. I'll give a score. 27-24. I hope I'm wrong. I'm pulling for the Bengals, actually, being a being a, an Ohio guy. That's my score. Do you have a score? Uh, I, I'll go I'll go with what I hope happens for people. Like I mentioned, my buddy Paul Newland, Tucker's dad, who's a diehard Bengals fan. I do. I've been uh, – I've texted with him each time the, the Bengals have won. And, and you talk about a, a fan base that was due for the feeling that we're all chasing as fans. Uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go Bengals 35 35- 34. Like, wow. Jack, you got a 17 point spread. What's your score? Oh, well, part of me thinks it's going to be a shootout. Other part of me thinks it's not going to be a shootout and it's just going to be sloppy football. Um, oh, this is tough. This is on the spot. 30 14 Rams. 30 14 Rams. 30, 14. Down to 16. See? Oh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. 31 14 Rams. <laughs> 31 14. Yeah, Matt's got football. Guru on this show, the X's and O's guy, the guy that knows the, the stuff the best, I would think, of all of us since he's coached it for a long time. What do you look for in a Super Bowl? You know, take the, the emotions out, the teams. Is it like who's faster, who's more physical? What's your, you know, like, what do you look for? Right? Well, I, you know, I appreciate the compliment, but I, I don't know anything about a Super Bowl because I never come close to playing well, or you, coaching you can one. Watch, you can, when you well, watch the game, I mean, tape, my assumption is that 
a lot of this is how do teams handle the, I don't want to say nerves because these guys are pros, but there's an energy at the beginning of these kind of games. And there's always that moment kind of after the energy starts to die down. And then how do teams handle that, that period kind of five minutes into the ball game where things are kind of getting established. You, you deal with that a little bit in the second half as well. But um, the emotions of the game, certainly in a, in a big game like this where, you know, people's lives are forever changed. And that's kind of where both teams' quarterbacks, and it's not just the quarterbacks. We spent a ton of time talking about them. But both of these guys seem like they'll be just fine. Um, it'll probably end up being someone we're not talking about, let's be honest. I mean, that happens quite a bit in these Super Bowls. So who's the guy out there that no one's mentioned uh, all week that – either does something above and beyond or the other way around. And, uh, you know, what he does is the story of the game. Uh, just hard games to predict. I usually get it wrong, to be honest. Like uh, the Rams and Patriots, I would have guessed scoring. It was like a 13-3 game a couple years ago. I thought Denver was actually favored. This goes back probably six, seven years ago with Peyton Manning. Had a real high-scoring team, and Seattle just squashed them. So it's, it's hard to, to, to figure out, I think. These teams are even, too. I mean, we see that. I mean, heck, there late in the year, we had a couple of huge upsets. What was it? The Colts needed to beat the Jaguars to get to the playoffs and, and got maybe even smoked. They did. You know, close. so it's it just shows you that even the best teams and the worst teams in the NFL aren't too far apart, and you put two championship caliber, te- caliber teams, not much difference. Okay. Jack, anything you look for? You, you watch game tape. Oh, well, you, you got to win it in the trenches. Uh, Coach Reed likes to say that. You got to win it in the trenches. That's why I like the Rams, because they're going to win it in the trenches. Well, they're better there, but I guess I would ask this to Coach Reed, even though the Bengals' offensive line is not very good, especially in pass protection. Joe Mixon's had a big year running the ball. Yeah, um, definitely at times. But, Phil, last week maybe not so much. Is that right? Mixon, they struggled to run the ball against the Chiefs. It felt like they did at least. I don't remember his numbers. But, yeah, I think there's always a little bit of concern there with Mixon that – it could go away. But, yeah, I mean, I think the dude's maybe the leading rusher in the AFC, second leading rusher right there. It's towards the top. So, I, no doubt top 1500 five. 1,500 yards or so. so. Jonathan Taylor's one. Yeah, I think. Jonathan Taylor's one. I think Mixon's yeah. two. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they can run the ball. But what Jack's saying is can they run the ball against an unblocked Aaron Donald and an unblocked Von Miller and all those other guys. Last thing about this, and we'll take a break and talk uh, some music with Julie Easton here in a minute on Chieftain Roll Call. For Jack or Rick, is it a big deal to ever want to go to the Super Bowl? I think Rick said on the show last week the tickets were like $9,000 a person, which is, <laughs> I'll never go. I'm too cheap to go to the Super Bowl. But for you guys, is that like a big you know, a big thing as a sports fan? Um, I wouldn't want to go see like a random Super Bowl. I wouldn't want to see like, um, I wouldn't want to see Patriots Rams, for example. But what if, if they, the Browns got in? If that's what I was about to say. If the Browns got in, it would open my eyes a little bit. Uh it would depend on how good my tips are at Vicario's. <laughs> but, yeah. It, well, they better be pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> come on in to Vicario's. Give me, help me out a little bit, and we can <laughs> we can make this happen. Hopefully the Browns get to the Super Bowl next year, and we can talk about it. I never say never. Would, is it a big deal to you to go? It's not. Um, you know, I, I don't think – I think the Super Bowl, we said last week, has gone corporate a long time ago. It's – I think I'm kind of the same way, though, even with the national title game. Obviously, Ohio State's my team. Um, it's where I went to school. But 
I've never gone and seen Ohio State play in the national title game, and and I could have. I did see him in the semifinals against Alabama. Well, I heard um, that was electric. Yeah, I was. I w- unfortunately that was a great opportunity. Matt Hammond let me go down and take pictures, and and I'm forever grateful of that. But I was on the field, which a lot of people say, "Oh, geez, you know, well, what are you complaining about?" You don't get a when you're on the field and you're taking pictures. It's not the same. You know, I'm not celebrating with people, my friends, but um. Give me a game with a strong home field advantage with that kind of atmosphere. And I probably, my days of live sporting events have kind of passed too. You know, I'm 41 years old. I've been to a lot of sporting events um, with the advent of television and high def. And um, I am probably more of a guy I'd like to watch it at my house. What is your favorite sporting event to go through? Anything. And it's like the best, so it's like the Super Bowl, the national title, and it's a price of like five hundred bucks for that ticket. What would be your your one bucket? Well, my favorite list? memories are when I was a student at Ohio State for big Ohio State games. And we usually had one night game back in those days, you know, twenty years ago. Those were awesome. I mean, when you're twenty two years old and you're in Ohio Stadium at night against uh, you know Nebraska, I think was one one game when I was there. Um, those are big time games and. Uh, you got the pregame stuff. Obviously, you throw that in there, and everybody's having a good time. Um, those are my favorite memories. But even I'll, I'll go even to high school sporting events. I know a little bit apples and oranges, but I, I like the emotion of the home hometown crowd. It's tough to beat. Jack, if you could get a reasonably reasonably priced ticket, uh, not nine thousand, we'll say like five hundred dollars, which is still a lot for a young guy. What would be your 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 one sporting event you would pick? Oh, um. I'd say probably Buckeyes uh, against the team up north, maybe. See, watch them come. They're coming here next year. I like the Buckeyes about 20 that game. <laughs> I think that would be a great game to go to. Um, I did go to Cleveland Caval- Cavaliers game when I was younger, when LeBron was still here, and that was really fun. They had fire shooting out of the baskets, and that was an electric atmosphere. But part of that is LeBron James effect, so we don't have him anymore. So you think even an Ohio State-Michigan game would be better than, and that would be home you're talking about, mm-hmm. would be better than like an Ohio State national title game? Um, Well, what like what Coach Reed said, it's just like I've been to Ohio State's game and the atmosphere is just there. Okay. And I haven't experienced Ohio State-Michigan. Like even the national championship game, it's not Ohio State-Michigan. So I think Ohio State-Michigan for me. I think I've been to three, two, three Ohio State-Michigan games. Um, obviously all noon kicks. Oh, it's tough to beat, man. Uh, I was there. I was a student in 02 when we won it. And uh, we beat uh, a Michigan 13-9, 14-9. to 14. Picked off a pass. Yep. Will Allen in the end zone. Yep. John Navarre, I believe. Yep. Um, oh, man. That's, that brings back memories. Well, that starts that early, be like a night game? No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. That's uh, – yeah, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to that. That's a 6 a.m. The alarm goes off. Everybody better get up. <laughs> Um, I still got great memories of waking my buddies up and, you know, they're, they're, uh, on a short night's rest and let's get after it. Um, by noon, it's definitely time to get going. Otherwise, yeah, I think those night game, if it was a night Michigan game, it'd get ugly. I do disagree with that statement. I, I'm a big nighttime guy. I like, uh, I I don't like waking up. I don't wake up till 11. Yeah. So I'm not, yeah, I'm a nighttime guy. Ohio State, Penn State, nighttime. Yeah. That's electric. I'm a nighttime guy. Uh, yeah, campus might get ugly, though, by, by 8 o'clock on a Michigan game. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to take a break, come back with more Chieftain Roll Call. Well, Fountain High School has our musical later this month. We'll talk to one of the PIP members after this on Chieftain Roll Call.
We're back on Chieftain Roll Call. We tape every Wednesday afternoon. The show comes out a few days later. I'm Bill Tipple with Julia Easton, who is a sophomore at Bell Fountain High School, very musically inclined, also a great student. And Bell Fountain High School has their spring musical coming up February 25th and 26th. The name of it is Into the Woods. Tickets are on sale February 10th, so by showtime they're already on sale. You'll see more on our district Facebook page, district website about that. Julia is a member of the pit, so she's not on stage, but she's still there. First, uh, some of these questions will be really basic for you, Julia. What is the pit when we're talking about a musical? Uh, the pit is pretty much just all of the instrumentals, any, you know, all of the music that you hear in the musical. It's not coming from a speaker. It's all of us just in front of the stage playing instruments. What's it like to be in the pit during showtime? Like, do you get to ever watch the show or you're into your own, your own uh, work there? Um, last year, I was in the pit for a sister act, and there would be, you know, um, dialogue segments that we would all get to just kind of watch the show. But this year is probably going to be a little different because um, it's mostly singing. There's not a lot of, you know, just dialogue, so it's just continuous segues, continuous playing. But um, sometimes at practice, like, we'll get to just watch the show. And how long have you been working as a PIP member in preparation for this late February musical? A couple weeks. We got our music in, and it's it's beastly, but definitely the progress that we've made has been extraordinary with the amount of time that we've had. What instrument are you playing? I'm on the keyboard. It's, is that That's different than what you've played before, like when we talked about your piano background mm-hmm. uh, and what you do during VHS band. Um, what's it take to be good at that? How do you get to be a good keyboard player? Um, it's a lot of sound effects. So like any celestial sounds that you may hear, or if it sounds like a synthesizer, even like a door knocking cue, like if a door were to knock, that would be me. And I would just press a button and that would happen. So it's not only like just playing a keyboard, there's also a lot of sound effects. And that's the part that I take care of. Anything else you've got going on with the music the rest of the school year? Not really. Just I think uh, we have orchestra contest uh, next Friday, I believe, and we also have a concert tomorrow night. So. And what do you play in the uh, orchestra? I am on piano and harp. Okay. That is Julia Easton. You can see her, the other pit members, and all the folks on stage, too. We're into the woods. That will be at Bell Fountain High School in the auditorium. February 25th, 26th. Tickets on tail, $10 a person. More Chieftain Roll Call after this. We'll focus on the Bell Fountain cheerleaders and what they've been up to throughout the winter months. We're back on Chieftain Roll Call and we're featuring the Bell Fountain High School Competition Cheer Squad. They're state-bound. They qualified a couple of weeks ago. Their coaches here, Alicia Kubay, along with four cheerleaders. We'll talk to them in a moment. We got a mix. We got some younger ones. We got some older ones. Coach, first of all, congrats on state birth. How's it feel? It feels great. They worked very hard to get there this year. We are going to start our questions, and it'll be pretty basic. Um, what is competition cheerleading? So we do traditional competition. There are several different categories in competition, and we do um, tra- we do traditional non-building with tumbling. 
So um, what that means is our routine is two and a half minutes, and it has a dance segment, a cheer segment, and tumbling all together. What's, I'm going to get a little closer to the microphone, but what's non-building mean in cheerleading? So our school doesn't build, which means like the pyramids or the basket catches or things like that. So our routines are basically more dance and tumbling focused, I would say. Is the way we do it here considered safer? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. In the two... To be competitive with building, you really would need to be in a bigger city where they have those sort of gyms and teaching, things like that. Like at, um, like Dublin Jerome, for instance, they're a Division One. They do building and things like that. Collegiate squads consider building? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So we've seen that if you go to like a mm-hmm. football or basketball game. Now, back in the day, were you a cheerleader, a competition cheerleader? So competition actually just started like when I was in high school. Um, and so I would say no. It, no, I was not not like this. Were you a sideline cheerleader? I was a sideline cheerleader. Okay. What's the difference between being the cheerleader and the coach? Oh, my gosh. Well, the coach probably, the kids have all the talent. I just help them focus their talent and, you know, be the eye for – you know, it's very competitive with competition, and you can get marked off for not being perfectly in sync. It's like you lose points for that. So my job basically is to find a great choreographer, um, encourage the kids to expand their tumbling into some more scary things, more difficult skills, and then help them execute the choreography perfectly. <laughs> so... It's, you know, competition is different than any other sport because we get two and a half minutes and a fall could be devastating for our entire routine or someone stepping out of place or things like that. So it's perfection. Yeah, you got to nail it. You got to nail it. Really what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. You said you have to find a good choreographer every Mm -hmm. year. Who is that person right now? So um, our choreographer is Kelsey Snook. The kids... um, a lot of them actually go up to her all-star gym, and she has her own all-star team, and she she does Warrior Athletics as her all-star team, and she comes from Forest to teach them choreography. Any other coaches that help you? Andrea Simon is absolutely, I would say she's probably more important than I am. With her knowledge and her relationship with the kids, she's invaluable to the program. What about the day, this was just a couple weeks ago, the Chiefs punched their ticket to state. Were you surprised? Did you think this team had it? Like, you know, what, a, a coach always has that. They don't like these questions. But did they kind of surprise you or you kind of expected what they were going to do? No, this team is awesome. Um, I can't even, ex- like, stress enough how much talent is on this team. And these kids have been traveling to Forest every week since June to try to better their tumbling skills. And if anybody comes to a competition, they'll see, like, the level of tumbling we're at. We went from a squad that had – everybody had a round-off back handspring to everyone has um, a round-off back tuck. So we've really improved over the season. Like I said, these kids are big things to come. We're young, 
too. We have three seniors, but the rest of them are all younger. So big things to come for this team in the next couple of years too. So they're, these are athletes. Would that be an accurate statement? They are extreme athletes, I would say. So like the endurance to do one of these routines is we had to build up the conditioning to for them to even execute the choreography that we got. So it is two and a half minutes of, I think they each do a minimum of five back handsprings in two and a half minutes, not to mention how many, six jumps plus two dance sections. I mean, it is very, they are athletes. <laughs> how, do they sure. get, how do they get conditioned for it though? Do they like run or what, what, what do they do? They run, they do thunderstruck. Which is ACDC, and every time it says thunder, we do a toe touch. So we do, <laughs> yeah, it's 32 times in the song that they'll do a toe touch. So that's actually one of the conditioning that we do at most of our practices. We're talking with Alicia Coubet, who's the Fountain High School competition cheer coach this week on Chieftain Roll Call. Any other schools around here in the Fountain area that are state-bound or maybe a team that you kind of look to and say, I, I kind of like how they do it? Um. I think we're very fresh. So uh, not to be, you know, cocky or anything like that, but we found a really awesome choreographer that has the experience that not a lot of choreographers have. And so there, I know Kitten Ridge that is in the CBC also did qualify for state. So I think that was the only, do you guys know? I think that was the only CBC team that was there that qualified. Besides uh, the Chieftains. Coach, when have you talked about the four girls here uh, off to my right, um, their name, um, and then what they're known for, you know, what you know about them as a competition cheerleader and just things you've gotten to know about them too, maybe outside of cheerleading. We'll start with the senior here. Elise. What can you tell us about her? Oh, my gosh. So, actually, I a lot about Elise. Elise is a phenomenal athlete. She did – when CBC best jumper, she has a hyperextended toe touch, which is pretty quite rare. Um, her tumbling is always in line. Um, she's a great leader as a senior and always shows up and just ready to work. That's Elise St. Clair. Elise St. Clair. How about the cheerleader here next to me? So Mia Oppie is a very special cheerleader to us. We had a couple girls quit this year, so Mia stepped in a month before CBC's Oh. And worked her butt off. Um, she's got some pretty nice tumbling, round off back tucks, uh, whips, and she's a pretty invaluable asset to our team at this point. What grade is Mia? Mia's a 10th grader. Sophomore. Yeah. How about the cheerleader here off to the left? So Haley Coyer, she's our only freshman, so um, which is a pretty big deal to make competition team as a freshman. So she has come in, really put in the work. She's a phenomenal dancer. We've got she got her round off back tuck this year, so that was a big stride for her. Yeah. And the fourth cheerleader here, I think, is your daughter. That is my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> this Ella. might be a long answer. It's either yeah. really short or really long. I bet on the answer. So, um, as a mom, I'm really proud of her. But as her coach, I'm probably even more proud of her. Um, she's made big strides this year with her tumbling. She also got her round off back handspring back tuck this year. Uh, so big strides there, and um, she's actually upping her tumbling for our state routine. So 
What's it, exciting. What's it like to coach one of the athletes and be the mom? It's <laughs> it's fun. It's you know, it's I actually don't really like look at her as my daughter during uh, practice and things like that. I look at her as another member of the team. All the kids are super special to me or whatever. And I think maybe like I maybe don't coach her as much. I let Coach Simon probably take care of her a little bit more. <laughs> so we have four of the competition cheerleaders here uh, on Chieftain Roll Call. How many are on the team? Seven. Okay, we got four out of the seven. We'll turn it over to the girls. Elise St. Clair is here. She is a senior. Elise, how long have you been cheering? Um, I've been cheering since I was in third grade. Oh, my. Yeah. This is your 10th year. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been a competition cheerleader? I've done competition since I was in seventh grade. Okay, I didn't know they could do it in junior high. Yep. Okay. How have you gotten better? How has the team gotten better? Um, I would say that we've definitely, um, the biggest thing that we've accomplished is all of our tumbling, like she's been saying. And then, like, having three seniors this year to be leaders and everything, that helps, too. And just um, all the younger people help, too. Like, it's just like. Who, who are the other two senior members? Um, we have Ariana Evans and Mackenzie Southard. And do you do uh, football and basketball cheerleading at all, sideline? Um, yes, I do football. Football, mm -hmm. okay. How do, how do they compare and contrast? Um, I would say that competition is definitely more of a sport than sideline is. Sideline is more of like a mental kind of sport. Like you have to remember everything. And then competition, like you put your body into it for sure. Okay. And the coach said it's two and a half minutes of you're going. Yeah. So when you're done with the routine, what, what do you feel like? What's your body feel Dead, like? for sure. <laughs> like I'm just breathing heavy. Like, But the past couple of times it hasn't been as bad. I feel like it's more um, – I feel more like drained during practice because like we run it so often. So you're a, kind of a two-sport cheerleader. That's yeah. how I would look at fall and then the, during this mm -hmm. winter-spring competition season. What other activities do you do at uh, high school? Um, so those are the only two, but um, I'm definitely thinking about trying track this year again. I did it in middle school, and then um, I was going to try it my freshman year, but I didn't end up doing it. So. Okay. you have any idea what you'll uh, be doing after you graduate from Buffalo High School? Um, yeah, I'm actually going to go to Ohio State Lima for a year and then transfer to main campus and major in exercise science. Oh, wow. That kind of fits into this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, have you talked about the coaches, Coach okay. Kube and Coach Simon? Okay. I, I know Coach Kube a little bit. I know Coach Simon for a long time. Mm -hmm. they're a little, I think they're a little different, mm -hmm. a little different in age, too. I don't want to say that too loudly, but, uh, <laughs> you know, how, how would you look at each coach? So I'm going to start with Coach Simon. I've definitely know like, I've gotten to know her over the years, and she's just the biggest sweetheart you could ever meet, like, Anytime you, she walks into a room, it instantly lights up. She wants the best for all of us, and she's there definitely to push us, but she never wants to push us too hard because she, she's worried about us getting hurt or anything, but she's definitely a blessing to the team. Now, is Coach Kube a little different style? Coach Kube <laughs> definitely works us, definitely works us, but she's just as big of a blessing. It's been nice getting to know her as a coach because I, I, like, I knew her as a person at first and then once she became my coach it just like it helped even more and she always invites us to her house and everything and it's just awesome I've never been a cheerleader but I've watched them <laughs> seen them mm -hmm. what, what makes that a fun sport like um, what will you miss about it because your your days are 
know, yeah. starting to wind down. Definitely but. just how involved everybody is. Like all my friends, all of my friends are cheerleaders. Um, I've gotten to know all of these girls so much and Corbin. And um, that's definitely the biggest thing that I'll miss. And I'll definitely miss being in shape because this keeps you really well in shape. But I think those are the biggest two. All right, let's bring in our next cheerleader here, Mia Oppie. <laughs> Mia is a sophomore. We're going to have to get that microphone a little closer to you. There we go. You're state bound. Yep. What's it feel like right now? Um, I feel like almost like relieved, like we worked so hard and then we made it. Does the cheerleader or the team know that, that you know, it was a great routine or and we should get a high score? Do you ever get surprised or you pretty much know that you're going to get a pretty good score when you do well and you know times you're not going to get a good score? Yeah, I think if we do bad, we definitely know. And like, yeah. Okay. When you were at the competition a couple of weeks ago, what did the team do well that you think, you know, garnered that big score? Um, we had a lot of crowd involvement, so I feel like the crowd was very engaging, and it I feel like it like pushed us to go harder and keep on going. Okay. How long have you been a cheerleader? Um, I've been a cheerleader for three years. And how old were you when you got into tumbling? Probably like six. Oh, quite a while. Yeah. Okay. So for those that maybe would think about doing this, and they're, they don't really have any tumbling skills, can they do it or you just can't do it? You've got to be a good tumbler to be a competition cheerleader I think you can do it it's a lot it's a big mental thing so like I think like if you just push yourself then you can do it and what other uh, activities are you involved with the Bell Fountain High School um I'm a part of the volleyball team um I do DECA and that's pretty much it okay is it a goal to do cheerleading after high school for you or I've thought about it some but I'm just not really sure yet let's bring in our next cheerleader here this is Coach Kube's daughter. What's your first name again? Ella. 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 What grade? What grade are you? Tenth grade. So same as Mia. How long have you been a cheerleader? I started cheering in Junior Chiefs in third grade. Oh, quite a while. Okay. For you, what's the difference between sideline cheer and competition cheer? Definitely, like Elise said, sideline is a lot more of a mental sport and competition, I would say. is definitely a lot harder, definitely pushes you a lot harder. You have to put your focus really in. It's also different with the time because sideline is like a longer amount of time, and then competition is just you have two and a half minutes to do your best. You're, you're going to get kind of the same question I gave her mom. I asked her what it's like to coach her daughter. What's it like <laughs> to have your mom as the coach? <laughs> It definitely gets a little frustrating, and it's very different. <laughs> She's not going to be happy with me saying this. It does get a little frustrating, but honestly, I do like it because I feel like I've gotten closer to my mom with her coaching me and spending time with me and pushing me to work hard, and honestly, she's pushed me harder than anyone because we already obviously have that bond, so she's pushed me really to do my best. What about Coach Simon's influence? I love Coach Simon. I could talk about her for days on end. She is such a sweetheart. She has held me numerous times while I've cried. She is just like a grandmother figure. She just always wants what's best for us and always has our best in mind. One of the things your mom said a few minutes ago is you got to, if you're going to be good at competition cheer, uh, you have to have a good choreographer. And she gave a lot of credit to the choreographer. In your mind, how big of an influence has the choreographer had on your team? getting to state? 
I think she's had a really big part. Our choreography, honestly, it's very, very good. It's very fast. It's very fun. It's very exciting to watch. It's fun to do. Um, it's honestly just entertaining to watch. And we've gotten close to her when we go down to tumbling. We'll talk to her. She's been a big influence also in our routine. What's your song or songs in your, in your routine? Um, Any songs we would know? Ooh. Yeah, there's like Nicki Minaj, okay. right. Do I Have Your Attention. Those are the okay. only ones that can right. come to All my right. mind right now. What, uh, what do you envision at the state competition? Uh, what, what do you think it will be like compared to your other competition cheer events you've been to? I think we'll definitely have a lot of adrenaline because this one is a little bit further out. We have a couple weeks in between the qualifier and the state, so... We'll definitely have a lot of adrenaline for it. Hopefully we can get people to come for crowd involvement, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. And what else do you do at the high school here? Any um, other activities, clubs, sports? I cheer year-round, so I don't really have time for any other sports. And I do orchestra here at the high school. You're busy, then. All right. Do you have any uh, aspirations to do cheer after high school? I do. I I do. I've went to um, camps to learn how to stunt so I can try to go to a collegiate level for cheer. We got our final competition cheer member here on Chieftain Roll Call, a freshman. <laughs> so a young, young star here. Your name again? Haley Coyer. Haley Coyer. All right. How long have you been a, ch a cheerleader? I've been cheering since third grade. Third grade. Third grade. Okay. How about, um, you know, in your mind, what it takes to be good? And what's it take to be good this early, this young as a freshman? You just have to work hard and, like, put your mind to what you want to get or what you want to do. And did you do sideline cheer, cheerleading at all this school year? Yes, I cheer basketball. You did basketball, okay. How's this different? Like, Elise and Ellis said, like, regular season, it's more of, like, a mental sport, and then comp, you just have to put your mind to it, and it's like a physical, like, you have to work for it. How many days a week does your team practice? Sometimes three, sometimes two. Okay. It just depends. And you got to, I don't know a lot about this, but you got to have great timing. It's almost like being like a synchronized swimmer. If the left doesn't know the right, you got, you got issues. You're not going to be a very good team. So how do you get that timing down with the other six girls? Well, if you go off counts, you'll pretty much have your timing good. But sometimes it's a struggle. But, like, the coaches are always on us for our timing. So we eventually get it. <laughs> <laughs> and when you do have one of those practices, is it like an hour, a couple hours? How long is the practice? It's like one to two hours. Okay. Anything else you do here at the high school? Nope. Really? Cheer. 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 But, but competition and sideline. Coach, back to you as we wrap up this segment of Chiefs and Roll Call. For those of our listeners that want to go watch the Chiefs at State and Competition Cheerleading, I think you said it's at Pickerington? Yeah, it's at Pickerington High School on February 27th. And do you know what time of the day, or that's hard to tell yet? They won't give us a schedule until it's usually about the week before the competition. And part of the score is off, like, fan base? It is, crowd so you involvement. Want, you want to have a, bi a big crowd, a loud crowd, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, so it's actually part of the um, scoring. It's called crowd participation. 
and they get scored on their callback, which is the crowd saying like red and black back to them, for an example. So um, the crowd is what keeps them hyped during the whole routine. Like I said, it's two and a half minutes of intense um, cheerleading. So the crowd really helps like the adrenaline and things like that. And, you know, this year we, we came in with fresh new uniforms and all sorts of, I would say we were probably the best looking ones there because our uniforms are so cute. But anyways, so all of it just helps go together as far as like what the team looks like and stuff like that. So anytime a crowd comes, it's just, I think they can appreciate too when they see the routine, how awesome these kids are. Well, I look forward to it. That'll be a, a great story for our school. We'll see how these, uh, these Lady Chiefs do at State February 27th at Pickerington. Coach, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Alicia Kube, who is the competition cheer coach of Bofound Chieftains. They are state-bound. Seven cheerleaders will compete in competition cheer February 27th at Pickerington. More Chieftain roll call after this. Welcome back to Chieftain Roll Call. It's presented by Eastern Water Solutions on South Main and Bell Fountain. Thanks to Wes and his company for supporting another one of our events here that ties into Bell Fountain City Schools. And one of my favorites on the show. We're going to talk some wrestling. This guy brings great energy to wrestling for boys and girls now. That's Brady Hyatt, who's the longtime Bell Fountain wrestling coach at great teams at Mechanicsburg and has done some big things here at Bell Fountain High. Coach, we catch you at a busy time. This is an up upcoming weekend where it's kind of a double dip. You got Girls District, and you got the CBC for the guys all in the same day. Super Bowl Sunday, by the way, February 13th. Welcome to our show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Now, let's talk about the, the, the Chieftain team. Mm -hmm. You know, so far, we're, most of the season's done. What have been some of your highlights throughout this season? Uh, you know, our highlights here is um, we're, we're such a young team. Uh, we only have currently three seniors on our roster. We had four, uh, Trent Kelly, uh, who was a district qualifier last year, I thought had an outside shot of making the state tournament this year, had season-ending knee surgery in the beginning of January. Uh, so we're down to three seniors. We don't have any juniors. And then we just have some sophomores and freshmen. So we're, we're really young. Um, you know, last year uh, with the COVID year didn't help us gain a whole lot of experience for those freshmen or for the current sophomores because uh, we weren't able to compete in any tournaments. So normally during a season when our you know guys are getting in uh, 30 to 40 matches during the season, we got in 10, 8 to 10 last year. So uh, it, it was a it was a long and tough year last year. But um, you know what we're proud on right is is you've heard we you know we've talked wrestling a, a lot before, and I, I don't judge on wins and losses. It, it's judge on attitude and effort, right? What is the what's the attitude that you're bringing every day to practice? What's the effort that you're putting out? And you know, uh, I had a, another longtime coach came and watched us wrestle in a dual meet, and he goes, well, you guys got a lot to, lot to still improve in the technique, he said, but every single guy wrestled so hard, and they listened to what you were saying. And those are, those are the things that you can control, right? So those are the things that we preach every day, and, and these guys are they're getting better. Uh, they're getting a little bit more of an attitude, and uh, so th those, are, those are some real positive things, the things I'm really encouraged and excited about what I'm seeing on the mat. You were at Mechanicsburg for a long time. How long time were you? How long were you the head coach? Uh, fifteen years. 
Oh, uh, the, I was head coach for 12 years, and then the last uh, three years I brought in Coach Doggett, and uh, then I just helped him out. Well, it's a near, nearby school, smaller school. What what can Bell Fountain maybe model from Mechanicsburg? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I don't really know if we, we have to model really anything okay. after that. Um, you know, because each each situation is unique. But no matter what the great program is, right? If you go St. Paris, you go St. Ed's. You know, St. Ed's is the gold standard uh, in Ohio. Um, you know, St. Paris is you know, a gold standard in Ohio. Um, but I mean, those two schools are so unique. One in that it's a private school and, and people come from all over in the area to wrestle for St. Ed's. And for, you know, St. Paris, you have, you know, Coach Jordan has and what he has done in the programs and the camps and all that stuff with men's and kids. But no matter where you are or, or it's a small public school like Mechanicsburg or it's a public school up north like Milan Edison, there, there's no secrets to being successful. It's just you are willing to put in an incredible amount of hard work, and you're willing to do it day after day after day after day. If you're willing to do those things, no matter what it is, you're going to get better and you're going to be successful. Um, you know, as, as when we get, and it's, and it's been proven out in Bell Fountain. You know, um, Michaela Young, one of our senior girls, um, you know, she will say, I, I think she said one time on wrestling, why do, you like, why do you like wrestling so much? She goes, well, it's the only sport I'm good at. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, but, you know, she has put in, you know, she'll say, I, I'm, I'm not an incredibly fast runner. I'm not this. I'm not that. Like, she doesn't have a lot of the natural athletic ability, but she has worked so incredibly hard um, that, she's, that she has worked herself into being one of the top 25 girls in the nation at her weight class. So she's and, elite then. Yeah, she, she is. And, you know, she's, I think March 3rd, she's going to be uh, doing her, I think March 1st or March 3rd, we're going to have her sign day. Um, I can't say what school she's signing with. I'll let, I'll let that be, okay. a, that, that be the, that, that be her, uh, her surprise. But, you know, it's just, you know, when we were in sixth grade, I came, or I, when I came here, she was in eighth grade. Um, and I said, hey, we got 6 a.m. workouts Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Starting in September, going through May, I think she missed two mornings. You know, that's eighth grader getting up, coming in at six a.m. and working. It's just, it's just that type of effort that you have to put in to be great at something. You know, if you want to be a great piano player, you don't play it from November to February and then don't sit at the piano again till next February. Right? I mean, you're playing it every single day to get better. And that's and that's you know, we say model something. It's just it's just modeling the hard work. You know, every school that's successful, they have kids who are willing to work incredibly hard, and they're willing to put in a lot of hard work in the off season. Well, the, from a team standpoint, though, you need numbers. I don't care what school you're mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. How have you seen the ebb and flow in your time here at Bell Fountain? High on that. Um, you know, we're it's it's definitely in a down phase as far as just straight numbers. Okay. Um, but one of the things that I that I have tried to even instill in the other coaches that I'm with is, you know, you can spend a lot of time looking at what you don't have. And then you spend so much time looking at what you don't have, you miss the kids who are in the room every day busting their butt and working really hard for you, right? So, you know, there's kids walking the hall that I wish were on the wrestling team. But I, I give those kids, and it's not to be mean to these kids, but I give those kids zero thought because they aren't in my room every day. You know, the kids who come into my room every day and are willing to bust their butt for me, those kids deserve all of my attention. 
So I worry about what I have. I look at what I have. I never look at what I don't have because, again, you know, uh, you think about our careers. If you're always looking at what you don't have, you're not appreciative and grateful for what I do. And I'm grateful for those those kids who come in every day and say, Coach, you know, I, I trust what you're telling me to do, and I'm going to do it as hard as I possibly can. You know, no matter no, no matter if they're 0 and 30 or 30 and 0, the effort level is the same. If they're giving me 100%, even though the 100% are different, it's still the same. They're giving me everything they can, and that's that's all I ask for, and that's that's what I'm proud of. Well, you're a charismatic guy, though. Do you ever try to recruit the those other guys, like in the summer, falls? Hey, we, we um, we'd like you to go out for the wrestling team. You know, I, you know, I'll tell them, hey man, we'd love you to come out, but if you don't come out, you know, I, I I tell kids all the time when they're like, well, you know, you know, we need them for the numbers, but I don't need them. You know, <laughs> um, you know, I tell them like uh, if you. You know, if I'm recruiting you and you're like, oh, I don't really know, you know, well, yeah, I want you to come out. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we should have, in, in my opinion, you know, if you're on the line on the football team, you should be wrestling, right? If you're a linebacker, you should be wrestling. All this stuff, you, know, you go through up and down the lines in the NFL, and you have a ton of guys who have wrestled. You have the, the Bills coach who's like, he, he was a great wrestler in high school, and he's like, I love that wrestling mentality of the guys on my football team. He brings all kinds of elite wrestlers in to talk to the Buffalo Bills because he loves that attitude, right? You know, so every time in that in that twenty second play, it's a one on one match on the line, right? And a linebacker's got to get down, he's got to wrap up legs, and he's got to tackle, right? Those are all things that that we would love to be able to teach with them. Um, but at the same time, if those guys don't come out, I, I'm going to go home and I'm going to kiss my wife and grade some papers and hang out with my family. And if they come out, I'm going to go home, kiss my wife, grade some papers, and hang out with my family, right? My, my worth isn't whether my team has won a state title as a team or we never win a dual meet, right? Now, that doesn't take away that I want to win more state titles. I would love to have a team that wins another state title. Once you've coached a team that's done that, it's very addicting, and you want to get back to that. But it's not at the expense of that's not your life, right? I mean, wrestling has been the biggest non-spiritual part of my life. You know, I've been I'm doing it since I'm five. I'm going to turn 49 uh, later this year. Um, but it's just wrestling. You know, you see these shirts, you know, football is life, wrestling is life, baseball is life. No, it's not. It's a sport, right, that teaches us uh, a, some tremendous, tremendous lessons to get there um, that we use in life. Um, but, you know, I want to make sure that all my wrestlers know as much as I love wrestling, you know, I love them more as, as a human being than I do of what they can do for me as a wrestler. Um, and I just want to, them to use the lessons that we're teaching them in wrestling to, to go through the rest of life, right? Because life is hard. There's a lot of hard things that, that throws at us. There's things that are very unexpected. Um, and, but if we're used to, uh, there, there's a saying, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, Right. If if you've been uncomfortable, I get to places where man, my body hurts. I'm tired, and I still push through it. Well, when life gets hard, I know what to do when life gets hard. Is you go through it. You keep going. You keep working. Um, Tom Ryan, the head coach of Ohio State, has has written a book called Chosen Suffering. You know, to be a great athlete, no matter what sport it is, you have to choose to suffer. And in some sports like wrestling, cross country, we have very little fanfare. 
you know, so sometimes it's easier to choose to suffer if you're in football and you have eight, you know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 people every Friday night cheering for you. It's a lot different to choose to suffer in a sport like wrestling across country where you may have 10 people watching you. You know, it's, it's, it's a different mentality that we have to go through. But those are all things that, you know, you can apply that to almost any area of life, right? You have to be willing um, to, to suffer to become great in anything. Sure. Academically, relationship-wise, mm-hmm. yep. your first jobs, if you've never worked before, that's, yeah. a, big, that's a big adjustment. Yeah. No, no question. Great, yep. great lessons. And I think wrestling is the most grueling high school sport, too. I've never do- done it, but I've watched what they go through. And even just the training. Uh, I think the matches might be the fun part, even though it's still... Oh, absolutely. Abs- and matches could, are absolutely the fun part. And so they can be very painful They sometimes. can. But, yes. You know, <laughs> but I want to talk about some, some what I think were some of the highlights of the season, even mm-hmm. though we have some big big moments yet to <laughs> forthcome for the Belfound wrestlers. Uh, the Jimmy Mack tournament this mm-hmm. year, I was there for that. And that was, you know, it's always a big deal, but it was extra special. It was just a few weeks after... Mm-hmm. Coach McDonald passed, mm-hmm. uh, and you're so tied up, I'm sure, with your kids. But what, what was that day like, you think? You know, it's, um, you know, anytime, you know, I, I didn't know Coach Mack as well as probably almost anybody else associated with Belfont Wrestling. You know, I, I just came here, you know, five years ago. But we've had enough interactions that you see, you know, what he meant to Belfont Wrestling. Um, and then I like to learn the history of where I'm at. So you look and you go back to 1970 and he was the, he was the man who started it, right? I mean, he was there and he got everything rolling and all the way through up to, was it Coach Bible? I think mm-hmm. he, he was yeah. the coach through. Then he still helped out mm-hmm. on and, and, and he loved wrestling, you know? So anybody, anybody who has that much passion for wrestling, you know, I already go, I don't know you, but I already like you, right? If you have that much passion for the sport that I love. Um, so, um, you know, then I, I've, I've got to know, uh, you know, Dal a little bit, um, Mia wrestled for a little bit. So just to see the family, um, and know, you know, not what they meant for the, for the sport. And then, you know, the tournament's named after him, which rightfully it should be. I, I was, it was great that, uh, coach Reed had named it the Jimmy Mack a long time ago because, you know, the Bible says to whom honors do give honor. Right and and in the wrestling room, what he did for Belfont, he deserves that honor. So, you know, it was, it was special to have him. To, to that term was a little more special given the circumstance of, of him passing away just shortly before it. And and then we got to also, um, you know, give our give an award the you know, Jimmy Mack Award to Bart Patterson, who's who's been a huge supporter of mine, um, and and Belfont wrestling also. So, you know, I mean, it was uh, it was a great weekend. Yeah, I was there the day Bart got that. He was well deserved. Uh, then, as we go into January, the Iron Maiden tournament mm-hmm. was here. Uh, that's girls. Yep. And girl wrestling, that's going to be one of my next questions here. We're just cheap and roll call with Belfont Wrestling Coach Brady Hyatt this week. Uh, but it was a girls tournament, a big deal. I mean, teams from quite a ways away from Belfont. What have you put in your words what that day was like? Well, it actually started the day before. We hosted the junior Friday, Iron Maiden, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. on Friday, we had the, the junior high girls and um, – there was, I think, 19 different schools represented. There's about 85 or 90 wrestlers. So, you know, girls wrestling, it, it's growing uh, at a pretty high rate in Ohio and, and across the nation. Um, you know, but a lot of schools still have one or two girls that are, that are wrestling in, in, um, on, in, in their school. So we had, uh, for the Friday night, we had a, you know, a couple of schools from up in Cleveland that came down. 
they came down actually Thursday night, stayed overnight, missed a day of school, and and got to got to wrestle on on Friday. Uh, we had a team from down Cincinnati, a couple hours away, um, and then you know our, our uh, the uh, Iron Maiden on Saturday. I think there was like 38 different schools represented. Uh, we had a school from down in Kentucky. We had a school from out in Indiana. Uh, a couple schools up by Cleveland, so we were really bringing them in from all over the state. Um, and you know, I, for for so long, you know, I've always said even before girls wrestling, I mean, I'm like wrestling is the greatest sport. I love it, right? So other people who want to have a you know have a different opinion, they are entitled to their wrong opinion. I'll have the right opinion that wrestling's the greatest sport. Uh, but for too long, it was it was limited to only 50 percent of the population, and the OHSA is finally did the right thing this year and sanctioned girls wrestling. So we, we are super, super pumped about that, that you know, next year, you know, there will be an official OHSAA-sponsored girls' state tournament. And um, in most of the other states where you see them sanction, you will see the numbers from one year to the next. You have a, have a 25, 30, uh, in some cases, 50 and 60% increases in numbers. So this year, there's right around 900 girls that had that had registered to wrestle with their with their school teams, and we're really hoping that we can get up to about 14 or 1500 next year. What's it like to coach girls? You've done guys for so mm-hmm. long. Is it different? Uh, yes and no. Um, you know, so we we have two of the more elite girls in the state at at Bell Fountain, and Michaela Young. She's been third in the past two state tournaments. Has really, you know, worked herself to be one of the, you know, the top 25 girls in the nation at her weight. She she went down to Texas this this past May and took third in a world team trial. She's been out to Fargo uh, and is placed in the in the top eight in the national tournament, becoming all American. And then we have Chelsea Horsley, who uh, two years ago was a state champ. Last year was a runner up. Uh, you know, this year rated second in the state. I think Michaela's rated third in the state. Um, I think both of them, you know, can can win another state title. Uh, obviously, they got some they got some really good girls in front of them to beat. But you know, if, if there was only bad girls in front of you, it wouldn't be quite as exciting when you win. So, um, but I mean, we have two very elite girls, but they've been they've been wrestlers since they're young. So I treat them the exact same. You know, it's I I I chew them, I chew their butts when they need their butt chewed, and we encourage them when they need encouragement. And you know, there's a little bit different techniques that we work with just because. Uh, girls' shoulders are generally more flexible than guys' shoulders, so you have to adjust the technique to for the body types that you're going against. Um, new the the young girls that are come out, it's a little bit different to coach them, um, just because uh, most a lot of the young girls aren't aren't used to hard coaching yet, where someone can really get on them and like, you know, a lot of times if I'm if I'm getting on them, they feel almost like I don't like them, and it has nothing to do with it. So. Um, and I'm and I'm not a yeller and a screamer in in practice, um, but you know it's just it's it's more it's you know I try to encourage um, a little bit more, but I do that to the guys also. So as best I can, you know, if you want to wrestle for me, I'm going to treat you like a wrestler. Well, if uh, Young or Horsley, these two elite girls, went mm-hmm. against an average guy, same you know same weight class, mm-hmm. what kind of a match would that be? Well, Michaela, this year, uh, Chelsea hasn't wrestled against the guys this year because she's she's had a little injury, just nagging all year, so I haven't let her wrestle against the boys. But as a freshman, she wrestled in the section tournament at 106, and she qualified to the district tournament. 
you know, so, and, and it wasn't just four, four people in her weight and she took fourth. She had to beat two boys to make it. So, um, you know, if, and then Michaela this year, she went down to a tournament in Western Brown called the Hammer and Anvil. Uh, 14 or 15 boys in her weight class, she finished fourth. Um, so they're they're, they're yeah, good. She's, yeah, they're, they're good. You know, it's, it's harder when you have, um, you know, the, if you start getting in the, you know, the, the, the top more echelon of boys, it's hard for them to compete. It's hard for any girl. I mean, we've, there's been one girl in the state of Ohio that has placed in the state tournament. And it was last year, a girl named Olivia Shore from Miami East. Yeah. She was the number one rated girl in the nation at her weight at 106 in high school. And she finished eighth in the boys state tournament. Um, it's rare, you know, just, you know, our, we've been created different. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, when the testosterone hits, it's hard for girls to compete really at anything above 106 or 113 pounds, just because you get more physically mature and our, and our bodies are different. But the, you know, if, if it's just an average 500 boy wrestling Michaela or Chelsea, they, you know, we, they may win, they may lose, but those boys know they've been in a fight. Okay. You know, uh, you they, paint they, a good picture. They know, they know they've been in a scrap. No, the guys, <clears throat> the way you painted the picture, the, the, um, maybe the strength, but the, mm -hmm. but I, just as I look at athletes in general, I think girls sometimes have great flexibility, maybe mm -hmm. more flexible than guys. How does that translate on, into, onto the mat? You know, a lot of times, uh, there's a thing called potentially dangerous in wrestling, you know, where, if your if your knee is getting bent a certain way, they want to protect the wrestlers. If your shoulder is getting bent a certain way, they want to protect the wrestler. Called potentially dangerous, uh, and girls are more flexible. So there's a lot of times they're being put into a move. They what's flexible for them and doesn't hurt them. The refs are calling potentially dangerous because for a guy, your shoulder would almost be popping out of joint. So um, there's a little bit difference in that. But uh, again, there's there's a difference in technique of how you have to. Uh, finish a certain a certain attack, different on a girl than a boy, just because they are more flexible. CBCs are Sunday at yep. Benjamin Logan. Yep. That'd be for the guys only, correct? Well, it, it'd be open for anybody, but our girls are going and okay. competing. Okay. Yes. So, so if originally they're supposed to be last Sunday, right? Uh, and Michaela, yeah, <laughs> and, Mich and Michaela was going to wrestle at at 106 pounds uh, for our CBC tournament. So she obviously she can't because she's qualifying for the girls' state How tournament. How do you think the uh, Chief, Chiefs will do with the CBC? Yeah, you know, I I don't really know um, just because I, you know, and again, this isn't meant as any disrespect to any other team, but I really don't pay attention to any other, any other team in the CBC um, because my focus is all on my kids and, and they're getting better and what do they need to do to, to become better wrestlers and, you know, and – um, even when we had guys that were more elite, you know, go back a couple of years with, with Grace, Jordan, yeah. and with, with Crace and Bruno Patterson mm -hmm. and Garrett Gross and Noah Yosting and Gage Reeves. You have more elite guys. You know, I know who the I would know who the better guys are in their weight, but still, they're like, what does he do? I really don't know because I'm not concerned with what they do. I'm concerned with us getting better. So. You know, I, I, I just expect our boys to go out there and, and scrap hard. And, you know, they, they will, you know, again, the, the goal is attitude and effort, right? And I know they'll step on the mat with a good attitude. And they know they better step on the mat and get good effort. How about the girls, the district qualifier Sunday? What do you expect? Uh, I, I expect Chelsea and Michaela to win their weights. They're mm -hmm. prohibitive favorites in theirs. We have two other girls, Tierney Priest wrestles at 120 pounds and Mason Barnett's wrestling at 190. It's both of their first year. So, you know, if, if they wrestle girls who are more experienced, 
you know, they'll, they'll probably take a loss in those matches. Um, but we're hoping they, you know, a lot of it is, is building towards next year. And your first year wrestler, you want to go, you want to get your experience, you want to get better and build towards next year. Um, you know, they come in, they work hard, and, and uh, you know, the same things I expect out of the boys is what I expect out of them. Okay. And then as the last thing here, Coach, uh, after the, the boys' schedule after CBC, what happens the next month or so? And then the girls' schedule after that district qualifier. Okay, so the girls have the district qualifier on uh, this Sunday, the mm-hmm. 13th. Mm-hmm. Their state tournament is the following Saturday and Sunday, the 19th and 20th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just a week, a week break. In Columbus? Uh, at Hilliard-Davison, uh, okay. I think, high okay. school. Yeah. And then the following week is the sectional tournament. So that will be our, obviously our first round of qualifiers for that. So that starts the, the, the state tournament series for the guys. So the guys get a week off pretty much. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we, we scheduled the week off so they could come down and watch our girls. Okay. Coach, thanks for coming on. I appreciate, I appreciate the time, Bill. Brady Hyatt, who is the Bow Fountain Chieftain Boys and Girls Wrestling Coach. Many of the guys will be at the CBC tournament at Benjamin Logan starting Sunday morning. The girls will be over in Hilliard. Kayla Young and Chelsea Horsley favorites to, to move on to state in their respective weight classes. More Chieftain roll call after this brief pause. We'll come back with Belfound football star Ethan Yoder, who has made his college choice more after this. Welcome back to Chieftain Roll Call. It's our final segment on this week's show. We record late Wednesday afternoons. They usually come out for us to listen to on Mondays. Thanks to Aaron Greger in the WBCS studio and Landon Gibbs, who's at the controls. Thanks to our sponsor again, Eastern Water Solutions. I'm Bill Tipple with Rick Reed, longtime teacher and coach. Really a key guy that put this show together, by the way, in the Bowfound High School Key Club. And then with us is a senior football star, Ethan Yoder. Ethan, welcome to the program. Hi, glad to be here. You made your college choice. What is that choice? Uh, I chose Ashton University. Why the Eagles? Um, after I, I had a, another offer to visit at Tiffin University, so those were my top two choices, that and Ashland. And um, I really enjoyed the campus uh, Ashland, at Ashland a lot better than Tiffin. Um, and just kind of the environment. They also have a new $10 million facility called the Nice Athletic Center. Um, huge football field indoor. I mean, it's super awesome. Um, so that's some of the reasons why I chose Ashland. And they also have a, well, to me, it's fairly new. I, that's yeah. where I went to college <laughs> a long time ago, but they have their, their football stadium. I think it's like 12 or 13 years old. I like their stadium. What what'd you think when you got the Yeah, I thought it was sweet. Um, from the uh, football building, uh, there's like two rows where like all the way up top, um, behind the home end zone. There's like where all the boosters sit and stuff. It's this big glass. Uh, it's just really pretty. You get a look out on the whole field in the stadium. Coach Reed can jump in here at any time. You're one of his favorite guys, by the way, if you don't already know that. But, uh, you know, I think you're a great story. And earlier on Chieftain Roll Call with Jack Varder and Coach Reed earlier tonight, you weren't not in studio yet. You, to me, are a success story because um, I've watched Chieftain football for almost 30 years. If somebody would have told me a couple, three years ago, Ethan Yoder would play at a Division II college football, I would have bet against you. And and that's no disrespect, but you really, really got so much better from 10th to 12th grade. How? How did you, what, what, what led to the improvement? Um, I don't, I, I guess I can't really put it on one thing. Um, I guess maybe, maybe it was mainly my mentality. Um, I think kind of from junior year, 
Um, I had a couple good things happen, a couple touchdowns. Um, wasn't super successful, but I was just glad to be out on the field. Um, and I think coming into my senior year, I was just week one. Uh, well, actually, I guess more during the jamboree, I was just ready. I was just thinking, like, if I'm going to play, I might as well, you know, try to play as good as I can and uh, produce as well as I can. So I think it was a lot of mindset, and I think it was also the coaching as well. Um, how our offense was set up kind of opened me up a lot. Um, so, yeah, it was really good. Who's been a mentor? Uh, this could be a family member. It could be a coach. Uh, it could be an older player. Who who kind of, you know, laid the groundwork and, and gave you the idea that maybe – you could even be a college football player. Um, I'd honestly probably have to give it to my dad. Um, I guess, so the first couple years of uh, high school, I guess kind of into my sophomore, junior year even, um, I was a track guy all the way. I was ready to go pole vault in college. That was kind of what I had my mindset on. Um, and my my dad had always been in my ear about, you know, football could change, you know, you could be better at football. Um, and through junior year and obviously through this year, I mean, after the game, late nights, staying up watching film with my dad, talking, mm-hmm. um, I think he was a big motivator for me um, in my decision uh, to play football instead of track. Um, it was kind of out of the blue, too. I remember I came down one random day. I think it was right around week three or four. Um, it was like 10. I just came down to my parents, and I was like, I think I want to play football in college. Um, so I think a big part of that was my dad for sure. He's probably my biggest inspiration. About the team, you know, and Rick Reed, Coach Reed's already heard this question, but your junior year, it, it was not a good football team. I don't have any other way to say it. Um, you know, the record indicated that. Some of the games were pretty lopsided. Coach Reed talked about how, how it's hard to keep the coaches and players even engaged in any sport when you're not doing well. But then I thought this year the team was considerably better, not just the record, but just the way they played. You'd have to maybe be at the games to see this, but their their grit, their their fight was much better. What what happened? Um so I think a big part of that is I don't want to blame it on COVID, but I think during the COVID season, I mean, we weren't guaranteed to play. We weren't guaranteed this week. We weren't guaranteed that. And I think that a lot of – it kind of just tired a lot of people out. And we're just kind of like, you know, uh, this is like, you know, this is like a half a season. We're barely playing. Like, what's the real – like, what's the big deal about it? Um, and I think it was also, I mean, this season, right from the start, uh, Coach Brown and the whole coaching staff was – a whole different mentality just straight from the start um, got us in the right direction right away and I think being successful week one and two it just it was a spark basically and the whole team just lit it up and we were ready to play what's coach Brown meant to you (laughs) everything Um, since my freshman year I mean didn't obviously wasn't very good football player just kind of low-key guy Um, from the start coach Brown has always been basically our father figure, I think, to all of us. Um, he's always been an inspiration. He's, I mean, you know, everyone knows what he went through. I mean, something a lot of guys, like, just insane to think that in a couple months he goes from an open-heart surgery to coaching a playoff football team. Um, so I think just his drive and his um, his mannerisms, everything about him is just extremely inspirational. Is he a player's coach? Uh, you, you know, you've done other sports. How – how does he compare to other coaches you've had in your life on his style and what he does well? Um, I think better than any coach I've ever been coached by. He he actually connects with his players, I think. Um, I, th- well, I think that goes for goes to say with a lot of the, fo- the Chiefs football staff. But compared to how um, other uh, coaches, how like they've coached, this, this coaching staff was way more on a personal level.
worked a lot closer with all the players, cared a lot more. So I think that's like night and day difference between the rest of the coaches. Coach Reed, I know this is one of your favorite guys. I'm going to have to turn the mic over to you on, you know, what your 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 thoughts on Ethan Yoder going to Ashland University and, you know, just what he meant to your football team. You were the play caller, and you must have liked the guy because you threw yeah. the ball his way a bunch. Yeah, you know, um, I've told you before on air and maybe off air, I, I think he's the best receiver um, in my 15 years here. And, I mean, he's our single-season record holder, which would, would back that up with – 60-some-odd catches, 800-and-some-odd yards. Um, but that doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, it wasn't just the, the catches and the yards. Number one, his approach. He talked about, yeah, I mean, EY was not, as a freshman, sophomore. He was, he was a player, um, not probably on track to become the all-time leading receiver. And you asked him, you know, how did it happen? The thing about him is – you can't quite put your thumb on, you know, he's not six foot five. He's not, uh, you know, he doesn't run a four four forty. So, I mean, there's not that one thing. But what he does is everything well. Um, and it starts with his approach. He's a high character. You know, he, he mentioned, well, you asked him about the difference between two years ago and last year. Well, it starts with the senior class. Um, the senior class, not our strongest class um, that we've had come through here, um, but – Part of that is they don't have many numbers, but guys like EY, Tucker Newland, and others, um, Owen Stanley, just led. And, and you know it's not that complicated. Do the right things. How do you lead? You do the right things. You show up every day. You're accountable. You make your teammates accountable by your actions. A little bit your words, but mostly your actions. And he just he he was everything we could have ever asked for in that regard. And then. You know, the ability, strong athlete. I mean, a very good athlete, well-rounded athlete. Um, I mentioned to someone recently, and maybe it was you, Tips, I never thought I would talk about pole vaulting in conjunction with football. But I do believe that EY's background in pole vaulting mattered. Like, there was times where he made catches, and I thought, Boy, that looked kind of like a pole vaulter. Like his, he would arch his back. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. A he couple of his contort. catches, he would contort his contort. body in a way. You're like, all right, yeah, that dude knows how to twist his body. He made some catches that were highly, highly contested in major moments. Jack mentioned one earlier against Tri Valley. Holy cow! I mean, you're talking about a catch that that really affects the outcome of that game. So. Forever indebted to him. Uh, you know, I told him that after his last game. I mean, yeah, I'm the play caller, but, um, you know, I don't – Taven St. Clair and Riley Near decided who they were throwing to, and obviously they went EY's way a ton because he catches the ball. I mean, that's human nature. Well, I've got a few observations that Ethan maybe can talk about. He gets to talk about himself, which might be a little unnerving. But the, the, the first thing I would say – and Rick, Rick's all right. Rick knows more about football than I do. The first thing I notice about him, especially more as a senior than as a junior, especially as a senior compared to as a junior, he just plays so hard. His will, I've seen plays where there's a couple, three tacklers on him, and Ethan is not a very big guy. If you've never met him, I'd say 5'10". His dad tells me he's gained some weight since football, maybe 170. In football, maybe weighed a little bit less, 160, <laughs> whatever it is. Not a big guy, though. I mean, if you're, if you're looking at the looks test a half hour before the game, he's not a guy that you say – well, that guy, he's, he might be dangerous and just run us all over. That's not Ethan. He's more of a quick, shifty athlete, fast too. But I just thought you played so hard. Did you, and I don't know if you ever think about this when you're in, in the moment, but now that the season's over, was it great effort that led to some of those big plays? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think 
my my main reason for that, I think, is my size. I I know I'm not as big as most guys. I mean, most receivers that are going to college are over six foot. They're 170, 180 pounds. You know, they're they're big guys. Um, and being uh, during the season 5'10", 150 pounds, 155 on a good day. Um, I just knew that I'm gonna have to. I don't have the weight. I don't have the size. So I might as well just play as hard as I can to try to make up for that. And it kind of worked out for me pretty well. Favorite moment or moments of the season? I'd say favorite team moment, uh, got to be beating Tri-Valley. Um, I think that was one of the most exciting exciting nights of my life. I mean, like tears of joy, happiness. It was just an amazing moment and something that I will never forget. I'll tell my kids that story one day. Um, one of my favorite personal moments or memories, I think, is uh, my 88-yard touchdown against Shawnee. Um, that was another one, two tackles, <laughs> right? The 50-yard line, they just bounced off of each other. Yeah, that was that was probably one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite plays. I guess Tecumseh to the one-hand catch, but yeah. yeah, two quarterbacks, and then eventually it became one quarterback. Uh, have you talk about each guy? You get to see them in the huddle at practice. Riley Neer and Tavian St. Clair, what they what they both meant for the team? Uh, I think to start off with Riley, um, Riley's just a heck of an athlete, probably one of the fastest guys I've ever met. Um, I think not many people have seen his speed yet, and they're, uh, they're yet to. They're going to soon. Um, and then I think Tavian, uh, his just raw talent is insane. I mean, the freshman being as good as he, he was and having as a – productive season as he did I think he's just got so much talent uh, he's also a big time effort guy he's always in the weight room working the off season um, so I'm super excited to see where he goes from here well for you what what do you do in the spring I know your track and then what will you do in the summer before you go to Ashland um uh yeah I'll finish out uh track season um just plan on doing as much as many events as I can this year and having as much fun as possible um and then over the summer it's uh for me it's work every day work out at night I, we got our uh, Ashton workout packets for the whole summer, so it'll be eight, ten-hour day, day of work every day, saving money for college, and then to the weight room after that. Any idea where your summer job will be? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, I'm about to start my fourth summer um, at Logan Lawn and Landscaping in West Liberty. Oh, okay, very good. You get to work outside then. That's, yep. That's, that's one summer. of my favorites, yep. that time of the year anyways. How about your field of study at Ashland? Uh, I've chosen to go into education. Think you want to be a coach someday? Yes. Coach Reed, what do you think about this guy as a, a future Chieftain coach? Oh yeah, I think he's. I think we got a job for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I. I mean, and I. You know, Tips, you know that I wouldn't say it. Like, obviously, I would avoid this whole conversation if I didn't believe it about EY. I wouldn't say anything bad about him, but I just wouldn't talk about it. He he is l- definitely one of the highest character kids in, in my time here, and you know the turnaround for lack of a better term, um, he's a big part of that. Um, just, and there was a lot of things that went into it. He mentioned Coach Brown, but that senior class, you know, and that's a senior class that was much maligned. Um, you know, when they were freshmen and sophomores, I think some of them would tell you and maybe some of their parents would tell you that they weren't maybe treated with a lot of attention, with a lot of respect. They were just kind of forgotten a little bit. And... Um, they floundered a little bit and numbers numbers shrunk and they, they already had a numbers kind of challenge really in all sports that senior class has had just doesn't have quite the number of athletes maybe that others just maybe that's a, a, a coincidence thing but 
uh, for them to rally around Coach Brown and then kind of the rest of the coaching staff. And then, you know, philosophically, offensively, we threw the ball a lot more than than we probably thought we would, certainly what people thought I would. Um, you know, that was if there's a criticism, a lot of times people don't think I throw enough. We threw 43 times against uh, London. Um, but, uh, you know, he had a lot of opportunities. Um, we tried to – get him the ball in different ways and and really within a few weeks of the season it became apparent like all right we really have to get EY the ball like this is and probably if we had to do it all over again if we were sitting here and he was coming back I'd want to play him in the backfield some I watch what they do with Devo Samuel and say I mean we just had to get the ball in his hands and and he can tell you there was times where we probably tried to force feed him too much which we really wanted to throw him that underneath route because he was so lethal just throwing right underneath that safety. Um, and then, you know, we'd go to the well one too many times, and it was time to run something that, you know, breaks off um, to the outside, and, and, and we were good there too. But uh, just can't say enough good things. Um, he mentioned the Tri-Valley game. I mean, yeah, it's uh, – those are things that we will take with us the rest of our lives while we do it. I'm forever grateful for what he brought to our program. Um those are the kind of nights that when you spend all that time, you know, all the countless several hundred hours leading up to a football season um, makes it all worthwhile. And, Ethan, uh, first congrats on the, uh, the, the Ashland University commitment. Thank you. Uh, you'll be in good hands. They, I can say this. You come from a high school where they valued their athletics. People went to it. The same at Ashland. That community is really into their – their university and their teams. And you'll, get to play some, you'll get to play with and against some very good players as well. But I want to ask about the Chiefs the next couple of years. I know you won't be here. Mm-hmm. You'll be at Ashland. What do you what do you foresee in the football team in the next couple of years? Um, I think right now this freshman class. I think through them being seniors. I mean, I don't I don't really know any of the middle schoolers. I'm not. I don't know what's going to be up for that. But I know these next three four years are going to be some of the best Chiefs in football you've seen in a long time. Really? Yeah. What makes you have that confidence? Um, I think, I guess you can kind of, I don't want to single it down to people. Um, The coaching mentality, that's a big thing. But I think we also have, I mean, when you have playmakers, you got Colin Deitch next year. C.J. Wilson, he's still got two more years. Chris Vogan, you got two more years. Tavian has three more years. You have so many guys that have already got varsity playing time. Jack Varner. Varner, let me get some (laughs) live in there, sorry. Zane Bailey, we got a couple more. Uh, Keegan. We got plenty of guys that are just going to continue to grow, and they've already shown. I mean, I guess I could say Chris Fogan. Obviously, he missed multiple games this season, and he, even with that, went off had an insane season. So I think if you just looking at those guys and their stats, they've already had varsity playing time. They're ready to go. I think they're going to be big leaders, and uh, I think we'll be really successful the next few years. Good luck at Ashland. Thank you, Coach Reed. Thanks for putting the show together again. Great week. Any idea what next week looks like? We have reached out to uh, a female athlete who has signed um, a Division One scholarship, waiting to hear back. Um, Coach Jake Kennedy is going to be our guest. Um, he's going to talk a little bit of football in Germany, uh, football Wittenberg. I'm sure a little BHS talk in there. Um, still like to get Coach Ashcraft on. Um, have an invitation out to her. I think their tournament game Thursday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They win that. Play next week on a Monday or Tuesday against Tuesday. Ben Logan, Tuesday. most likely. Tuesday. Yeah. So, not sure how that'll match up. Um, 
Coach Stolle uh, invited him back on. He is heading to Wittenberg next Wednesday. Jack Clement um, is playing against at Wittenberg uh, for OWU. So like to get Jack Clement on here. We'll have a few episodes. You know, we've kind of wrapped up the winter sports season, or at least we're pretty close. Um, each week that goes by, we'll lose a few of those teams, and we've probably still got, you know, five weeks or so until the spring sports ramp up. Certainly we'll get the baseball, softball, um, tennis, and um, track and field people on. Um, we'll try to hit some um, some of these uh, college players as well. I'd like to get Jack Clement on, Garrett Gross, um, Ethan's got a chieftain teammate, soon to be Ryan Poole, playing football at Ashland University. Just finished up his second year. Yeah. All right. Well, Coach, enjoy the Super Bowl. Well, Ethan, best of luck at Ashland. Thank you. Appreciate that. And thanks to all the people that make this show go. Eastern Water Solutions, our sponsor of Chieftain Roll Call each week, Landon Gibbs and the WBCS crew. And thanks to all of our guests. And we record these shows late Wednesday afternoon. They usually come out for air a few days later. Thanks to all of our guests tonight on Chieftain Roll Call. For all of them, I'm Bill Tipple saying have a good week.